And then the responsibility. See, priesthood involves privilege and responsibility and the responsibility of representing God and ministering to others on His behalf. Now, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to hear this and think it's wrong to invite someone else to pray with you or to get agreement. There's nothing wrong with that in any way, shape, or form. I just want you to know that that part of the package of being a child of God is that you can pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And, uh, And God will hear you. You have as much direct access to God as a child of God as any other child of God. But I want to begin to focus tonight really on this, but what about the responsibility of priesthood? When we go in to worship and praise and pray and things like that, it's like in the Old Testament, the, 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 the priest would go in and offer up the, this incense and, and the priest would get absolutely saturated with it. It would be in his clothes, in his beard, in his hair you know, probably in his sandals. So when he walked out of that holy place and he walked out amongst the people, everybody could, could sense the presence of God just through the aroma, you know, the, the incense associated with the temple. But let's look at something that Charles Spurgeon said. This was our, our final quote, I believe, this morning. Let's just look at it again. He said, we need to have a church in which all the members do something, in which they all do all they can, in which they were always doing all they can, for this is what our Lord deserves to have from a living, loving people bought with His precious blood. If He has saved me, I will serve Him forever and ever, and whatever lies in my power to do for His glory, that shall be my delight to do and to do it at once. In other words, it sounds to me like Charles Spurgeon is basically saying this priesthood where every believer has privilege and responsibility, that it's something that should really be at the forefront of our mind, not at the back of our mind. That we should understand that as a child of God, we represent Him 24 Seven. Now, see, sometimes, aren't these guys doing a great job on the worship team? You guys are doing so good, awesome. And you know what? When they're up here, they're representing Jesus. But did you know that when they step off the platform, they don't stop representing Jesus? See, sometimes we think that we really only represent Jesus when we're on the platform, you know, doing something that everybody can see. Pastor John represents Jesus, uh, whether he's in the pulpit, in the church building. We represent Jesus. Jesus didn't say, you are the salt of the earth from 9.30 to 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. You are the light of the world on Wednesday night. No, we're the light of the world, period. We're the salt of the earth, period. And so we have this, this type of responsibility. Let's look at another statement. I know one of Pastor John's favorite authors is Andrew Murray. You ready for a good Andrew Murray quote, Pastor John? Andrew Murray said, Every believer, the feeblest, as much as the strongest, has the calling 
to live and work for the kingdom of his Lord. Every believer has equally a claim on the grace and power of the Holy Spirit according to the gifts to fit him for his work. Now, I want you to notice what Andrew Murray said. Every believer has equally a claim on the grace and power of the Holy Spirit according to his gifts to fit him for his work. That means, how many of you know we're all priests, but how many of you know we have different callings and assignments? We can all be citizens, for example, of Rhode Island or Massachusetts or citizens of whatever state, but not every citizen has the same skills. One citizen is a plumber. Another citizen is an electrician. We're all citizens of the kingdom of God, and as citizens and priests, we have the same rights and privileges and responsibilities, but we may have different gifts. You can't say, well, I'm a priest, so therefore I can pastor just like Pastor John can pastor. You're a priest unto God, but, but you don't, that doesn't mean you can operate in a gifting or an anointing or a calling that you're not called to operate in. Can I tell you what would ruin this service totally? Is if I said, well, I'm a priest. I, I, can, sing, I can sing just like all these people on the platform and, start, and burst into song. You would be so sad, so sorry you came to church. It would, my wife can testify, that would not be a pretty scene. Okay? I'm a priest unto God, but that doesn't mean I have all the same gifts and, and calling as every other priest unto God. Priests serve in different capacities according to their unique calling. So Andrew Murray said, every believer has equally a claim on the grace and the power of the Spirit according to his gifts to fit him for his work. God's not going to give me gifts necessarily that I don't need for my particular assignment. I'm called to be a teacher, so he's given me gifts along those lines. And he says, and every believer has a right to be taught and helped by the church for the service our Lord expects of him. See, one of the reasons that we come to church, if we go back to what Peter said, Peter said we are being built up into a spiritual house. When we come to church, one of the things we are looking for, if we could go back to that Andrew Murray quote real quickly, uh, we are here to be taught and helped by the church for the service our Lord expects of him. When we interact with each other, when we fellowship with each other, when one church member sees a need in another church member and they step in to help and offer support and things like that, we are learning and we are operating to, in our priesthood more effectively and more efficiently the more that we learn, grow, and develop. Now, Miss Angela, I'm going to skip that quote by Tozer. I'll share the Tozer quote with you. It's a little bit strong, so I'm going to skip it tonight. Um, but I want to go to three things that happen when we function in our priesthood or three expressions of us operating in our priesthood. Number one, we function as priests when we serve. 
We function as priests when we serve. And there's a verse here from John chapter 12. It says, then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume. And if you go back and study, I I don't remember the numbers, but I mean, this thing was really expensive. This was not a perfume that you would get at Walmart or Walgreens. Okay, this is the perfume that would be just, you know, a gazillion dollars for a little bit of it. Uh, She took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And notice this, the house was filled with the fragrance this beautiful scene from the Gospel of John, uh, Mary taking this 12-ounce jar of perfume and just pouring it upon the feet of Jesus. And Jesus explained that this was kind of a prophetic, symbolic action preparing him for his burial uh, because that was part of the process. But, But this was an act of devotion. This was an act of service. I mean, a basic servant, when a a special guest was there, a basic servant would wash the feet, you know, just with water and a towel. And Jesus demonstrated that himself, demonstrated his own attitude of servanthood when he wiped the feet and washed the feet with a basin of water and a towel. But boy, she takes it to a whole nother level. She doesn't just use water. She uses this extremely expensive perfume. And, uh, and I, I want you to see this. The house was filled with the fragrance. Jesus' feet. This would have gotten probably on his sandals, on the bottom of his robe, if he was wearing a robe at that time. But it would have gotten... Uh, wiping his feet with her hair. This perfume would have been in her hair. You would have been able to have smelled Mary for about three weeks after this. Okay? Did you know that when we serve, it's a priestly function. Again, it's this fragrance, this aroma, this incense, as it were, ascending into the very throne of God, something that is pleasing, a a well-pleasing aroma unto God. You say, well, yeah, but I don't know if we can really do that kind of thing anymore because, you know, I mean, Jesus is not here physically and we can't, you know, anoint his feet with oil. Look at what Matthew said, or Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. So no, you can't get expensive perfume and anoint the feet of Jesus physically and literally the way Mary did. But you know what Jesus said? Whenever you do any act of service, and there he was talking about feeding the poor, he was talking about clothing the naked, he was talking about visiting the sick and visiting those in prison. Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. I want to propose to you that when we serve God, there is an aroma that fills the whole atmosphere. That it, it will, it will uh, affect the person that we're serving. It will get on us. 
How many of you would just like to smell really good to God? All right, then serve one another. I have this quote here that I really like. Um, Service. How, How many of you think it's good when we serve one another? Service is love dressed in work clothes. Service is love dressed in work clothes. And the point I'm making is that when you serve one another, when you volunteer, as I was walking out this morning, I looked in one of the rooms and and there were some teachers in with a bunch of the younger people. And and when you serve God, when you usher, when you work in the parking lot, the media, when you volunteer, when you clean the church building, you are exercising a priestly function. You're exercising responsibility to serve one another. And when you do it to the least of these, you're doing it as unto Jesus. So number one, when we, uh, we function as priests, when we serve. Number two, we function as priests when we give. We function as priests when we give. You know, we should realize that giving should not just be mechanical, should not just be ritualistic. We're just going to drop another dollar in the bucket. Giving is more than that. Giving is an act of worship. As a matter of fact, did you know that in the Old Testament, if somebody said, I'm going to go worship, they, they weren't saying, I'm going to go sing some songs and hear a sermon. Did you know that? In the Old Testament, if somebody said, I'm going to worship, they meant, I'm going to go give something to God. Worship and giving were, were, were so interconnected then. So Paul says to the Philippian church, I've received the gift you sent by Epaphroditus, and I viewed it as a sweet sacrifice perfumed with the fragrance of your faithfulness, which is so pleasing to God. That is such a power. You know, we just say, oh, it's just money. No, it's not just money. When it's given from love, when it's given out of worship unto God, our actual giving can be viewed as a sweet sacrifice perfumed with the fragrance of the faithfulness of the people of God, and it is pleasing unto God. Well, I think this would change maybe the way that we give sometimes if we understood that when we give, we are functioning as a priest. We're not just putting money in a bucket. We're not just giving money to a human organization. We, I mean, we give through a human organ, actually a divine organization. The church is built by Jesus. But, but it, it's something that's pleasing to God and goes up to him as an aroma. In um, Matthew, I'm sorry, Malachi, Malachi chapter 1 and verse 11, God says, My name will be great among the nations where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations. When God's name is great, people want to give him pure offerings. When people see God 
for his majesty and his grandeur and his greatness, people are going to want to bring offerings to him that will come up before him as a pure incense of worship. This is so powerful. And one verse, I didn't even give this to Angela for tonight because I just, this just came to mind during worship itself. If you, how many of you have your Bibles with you? It doesn't hurt to look at these in our own Bibles as well. It's easy to look at the screen, I know. Um, Acts 10.4, it was time for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. You know, Jesus had said, preach the gospel to every creature, make disciples of all nations. But the earliest apostles, they had kind of a narrow mindset. They really couldn't see taking the gospel to the Gentiles. They were real comfortable taking the gospel to the Jews, but, but the gospel wasn't just for one group. How many of you are thankful the gospel's for everybody? And uh, so God had to do some kind of behind-the-scenes maneuvering to get one of the apostles to go to the Gentiles, and there was a, a Roman commander named Cornelius. And the Bible says that he was a good man, and that he regularly gave alms to the poor. Uh, He was just a good man. And an angel appeared to him and ended up telling him, send for Peter, and Peter's going to tell you words by which you must be saved. But when the angel showed up, I mean, Cornelius, how many of you know if an angel shows up, it might disturb your equilibrium, okay? It's kind of out of the ordinary. Cornelius was shocked at this angelic being. And in verse 4, now remember, Cornelius was not even saved. Pastor John, I don't know how this, I'm not sure I can make this fit exactly into my theology, but this is what the Bible says. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. I'm not sure how to make that fit in, in my theology, but it may, be, it may just be the kind of thing that Cornelius was walking in all the light that he had, and he didn't know anymore. And that's why he was saying, have Peter come, and Peter, and you remember Peter, show, read all of Acts chapter 10, it's so powerful. Peter shows up, and he doesn't even think, I, I'm not even supposed to go into the house of a Gentile. You know, people were prejudiced, you know, that type of thing. And I don't even know if I should go into the house of a Gentile. But the Lord kept telling him, you go, you share this gospel. And, and, and the Holy Spirit fell on this house. But notice that before he was even saved, the angel said to Cornelius, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, Pastor John may need to correct this when I'm done, all right? And he's very welcome to, because he may understand it better than I do. This doesn't totally fit with my, the way I think things should be, but it's so amazing that, that, that prayers and gifts to the poor can be received by God as though it were an offering to him. I think that's pretty amazing, don't you? So we can function as priests when we give. And number three, we can function as priests, this is so powerful, 
And this to me is one of the most obvious. We can function as priests when we worship, praise, and pray. We're not just singing a song. And we're not just worshiping. But we are, we are exercising our priestly privilege and our priestly responsibility. I, I just remember when I grew up in church as a young person, uh, I just read the words on the page because we sang from hymnals. Nothing wrong with hymnals. After I got spirit-filled, I went back and read the hymnals and wondered, when do they put all these dynamic words in here? I just I wasn't sensitive enough to realize because I just did everything ritualistically, did it by rote. But I was just singing because, well, why are you singing? Because everybody else is singing, because it's time to sing. Because the, the bulletin said, page 297, that's why I'm singing. I'm on page 297 with everybody else. I never thought about this as a priestly service of worshiping God. But, but when we worship, when we pray, when we praise, that's what it is. Psalm 141 and verse 2 says, Let my prayer be as the evening sacrifice that burns like fragrant incense, rising as my offering to you as I lift up my hands in surrendered worship. Do you know that is 100% priestly language? That is such priestly vernacular there. And we need to appreciate that for what it is. Let's look at another verse. In uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. This is another very priestly verse. And it's talking to New Testament believers. Therefore, let us offer... Through Jesus, don't ever worship except through Jesus. Don't ever, don't ever pray or praise except through Jesus. It's not just a ritualistic thing when we say, Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. If I don't go through Jesus... I'm not sure I'm going to get very far. And that's why Jesus always said, if you ask in my name. So, so we are told in Hebrews, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. See, the word sacrifice is, is priestly language. Because the priest would bring a literal sacrifice it could have been an animal. It could have been grain. It could have been something else. But, but how many of you are glad we don't need to bring animals? My goodness. A couple of years ago, well, several years ago, I was preaching in a Muslim nation. And the day that we were going to church in this, it was the most populous Muslim nation in the world, Indonesia. And we, it was the Muslim day of sacrifice. And we were literally driving by out in parking lots, they had set up deals and they were killing the animals and offering sacrifices, you know, to Allah. And uh, I just said, God, thank you that, there, that there's one sacrifice that was done one time for all sin, that the, the Lord Jesus Christ is, he was our sacrificial lamb. 
slain from the foundation of the world. In the mind of God, it was an eternal thing, but it happened in history and in time. And, and, uh, and we look back at that event. Jesus is our high priest, and through him, he makes us priests. And through him, we can offer to him a, a weekly sacrifice. Are you going to let me get by with that? Let's try it again, see if I... Let us offer through Jesus a weekly... How about every three weeks? No, a continual sacrifice of praise. Uh, Proclaiming our allegiance to his name. That to me is so powerful and so beautiful. One other verse. um, Somebody on the worship team, tell me what that one song was that you all did that was real powerful... Um, where it was kind of a responsive type song. And what was the line? What, somebody on the worship team told what was the line about the scroll? Who is worthy to open the, to break the seals and to open the scrolls? See, that's a picture that John had. That was part of his vision of what was taking place in heaven. And if you read the whole scripture there, what is it, Acts 5, or I mean Revelation 5, I think uh, an angel says, here's a scroll, it's sealed, I think with seven seals. Who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll and to read? And John in his vision says, and I wept because no one was found worthy to, to break the seals and to open the scroll and to read. And, and then, I, I think if I'm telling this right, I hope I am, an angel said, don't, don't, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed, and he is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll. So I'm so glad that the worship team sang that tonight. Revelation 5.8, which is one of the scriptures that I already had for tonight, and when he took the scroll the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held what? What did they hold? They were holding gold bowls that were filled with what? That were filled with incense. See, incense was used in the temple and the tabernacle all the time. Incense went up to God in worship. They held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Because we're priests. John began in Revelation chapter 1, I think it's verse 5. He said that he has made us a kingdom, or he has made us kings and priests unto God. So it it just makes perfect sense that as this revelation unfolds, uh, the book of Revelation unfolds, Jesus is opening the scroll, breaking the seals and opening, and John says, and there are the 24 elders, and they all have harps, and they have these gold bowls, which are the prayers of the saints. Can you picture your prayers? See, here's the thing. We are so... And I don't know if it's just being an American and we're individuals and I can be whatever I want to be because I'm an American. And, you know, thank God for that, you know, you know, drive and thrust. But 
your prayers aren't just, yes, God hears you individually. God knows you. God has the very hairs of your head, head numbered and so on. I'm not trying to take away from you and I having a personal relationship with God. But, you know, it's more than us just having a private, secret relationship with God. Did you know that your prayers are, are part of incense that are going up unto heaven, unto God himself? That our prayers are like incense. So what are we saying? We're saying that, that we function as priests when we serve one another that the whole atmosphere can be filled with the fragrance of God's glory when we serve God. Because when we serve one another, Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it for me. So whatever you do, Paul said in Colossians 3, whatever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. Let everything you do in service be as unto the Lord. Number two, we function as priests when we give. And that's just not talking about giving money. But when you give anything, when you give of your time, when you give a, a word of encouragement, whatever comes out of your generous heart that is filled with generosity from God, let all of your giving be as a fragrant incense unto God. That's what Paul said the Philippians giving was, he said it was like a fragrant incense that was pleasing to God. And number three, we function as priests when we worship, when we praise, and when we pray. We are called to be priests. Let's close tonight with this, the book of Hebrews. Did you say, Pastor John, that you had taught on Hebrews recently or not? Okay. Uh, the book of Hebrews is such an amazing book because... It is contrasting the Old Testament with the New Testament. And one of the themes in Hebrews is this word better, that we have a better covenant based upon better promises. And the book of Hebrews communicates how that basically all of the ceremonial aspects of the law were, they weren't meant to be substantive and eternal. They were meant to be types and shadows. In other words, they were prophetic illustrations of what was to come in Jesus. And how that, that they had a priesthood uh, that was functioning then, but we have a better covenant. Back then, it was just a few select people who were priests, but in the New Testament... Every believer gets to be a priest. And, and there's a story in Hebrews uh, that goes back that when God was first revealing himself to the people of Israel, uh, the people were terrified. We talked about this at lunch today. The people were terrified when God came down on Mount Sinai and there was lightning and there was thunder and the people just said, Moses... You talk to God for us. We, don't let God talk to us. We don't want to die. Moses, you talk to God and then you just tell us whatever God says. See, the law revealed man's sinfulness and men, they knew that, that, that God was holy and that they were not. So when God shows up, instead of wanting to come to God, they're terrified of God and, and running away. 
And the book of Hebrews tells us, because we are priests today, that we have not come to Mount Sinai, but we've come to Mount Zion. And so the priests were the ones who could legally and properly go into the presence of God if they did all these extensive rituals and things of that nature. But because of Jesus and because of the fact that we are all priests, when we worship and God's presence is manifested, we don't have to run away from the presence of God. We're priests. We can draw near. We can come to the very presence of God. So here, we'll just close with these. These are seven statements from the book of Hebrews that deal with our priesthood. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly. Aren't you glad we can come boldly before God? We can come boldly because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know the first thing that that Hebrews 4.16 says about us coming boldly is that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. See, some people, when they need mercy, they don't want to come to God because they feel ashamed. Listen, if, if shame and condemnation are hitting you, you need to run to God, not from God. Are you listening to me? Number one, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Number two, let us go on to perfection. How many of you know we've all got room to grow? We are being built as a spiritual house. He's still still working on us. Every one of us can make this statement. God loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to let me stay this way. We've all got room for improvement. Let us go on to perfection. Number three, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That's what priests do. They draw near to God. Number four, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. We have another slide here. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Aren't you glad that that Christianity is not just an isolated thing, but we're to consider one another? See, part of my priestly privilege is access to God to receive from Him, but part of my priestly responsibility is to receive from Him in order to give to somebody else. Whatever I have received from God, I have a responsibility to share it. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. So let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. That's priestly language, serving God acceptably. And finally, Hebrews 13, 5, let us continually, I think we looked at this verse a minute ago, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How many of you are thankful to be a priest? 
I, I don't know about you. I'm just starting to study this. And actually, Pastor John, this is the beginning of a new book today. What I'm sharing today is, is, uh, is very early stages. But I have really been excited about studying this. Because, and the title of the book eventually is going to be um, The End of Spectator Church. The End of Spectator Church. Because every one of us, we're, we're a kingdom of priests and we have priestly functions. God wants us to walk in them. Let's all stand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for your goodness and your mercy toward each and every one of us. Lord, I want to thank you that we have a covenant with you that is sealed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that covenant, Lord, we have rights, we have privileges, and we have responsibilities. Lord, you're always faithful to hold up your part of the covenant. And Lord, we want to be found faithful. The Bible says when Jesus returns, will he find faith? Or will he find faithfulness upon the earth? I believe he's going to. Because I believe that God has people just like people that are here tonight. Lord, we're hungry for you. We desire you. Lord, we want to just be people that are are pursuing the fullness of yourself and and that lord we want to become everything that you want us to be we want to do everything that you want us to do and lord we want to be on duty as a priest 24 7 we want to offer continually the sacrifice of praise to you and lord we also want to be available as you lead as you guide Lord, we want to be sensitive to meet the needs of others. And Lord, to be in a position to be a rich blessing. Father, I thank you for every believer in this church. I thank you for Pastor John and Anita. I thank you for the entire leadership team of this church. I thank you for every servant. I thank you for every person that goes from this place with their light shining a little brighter because of having been in your presence, because of having received the word and the anointing, having it stirred up and, and furthered in their lives. And that, Father, we'll go out from this place. Every time we'll co we come here, that we'll go out from this place with a stronger fragrance of your anointing. Lord, it may not be something that can be tangibly smelled with the human nose, but, Lord, people will spiritually discern there's something here there's an aroma there's there's a spiritual sense of joy of peace of light surrounding these people and lord may we fulfill everything that you've called us to do in jesus name everybody said amen god bless you pastor john i'm going to turn it to you sir You may be seated for just a moment. I know everybody here, but there may be somebody watching online tonight. And you've never given your life to Christ Jesus. Tony talked tonight a bit 
about being a priest and being in a special relationship with God where you can come and talk to Him and you can receive from Him. But he's emphasized over and over again, that's in Christ we can do that. And God loved you so much that he sent his only son to this earth to walk among us to become a human being. And then at the appointed time, God took your sins and my sins. He took sin itself. And he put that sin on that sinless son of his on that cross and on that cross God poured out his anger he poured out his judgment for your sin and my sin because he's a holy God and God loves you and wants to spend eternity with you but God can't have you in his presence if you're not as holy as he is and none of us can measure up to that holiness and that's why God took your sin and then he could legally give you his son's righteousness so that you could now become the priest and come into his presence the way Tony talked about tonight. But Jesus said in order to do that, you must come to him and you must invite him into your life as your savior. And then you must put your life into his hands. You may be like me. I was raised in church all my life. I was taught from a little child that Jesus was the son of God, that Jesus paid for the sins of the world. He died on that cross to pay for our sins. I knew that all the way up into my mid-30s. I was a deacon in the church that we served in. Until, But I never knew that I had to make a step and invite him into my life to receive him as the one that paid for my sins. So if you're watching tonight and you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity. This is not a casual prayer, a casual decision you make. But it's a decision where you say, Jesus, I want to have that relationship with God through you. I want to know that when I breathe my last breath on this earth, that I'm going to spend eternity with you. That's a commitment that you're making and a decision that you're making. You don't need to understand it. You just need to be willing to make that commitment tonight. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to just join me in this very simple prayer. You don't need to kneel or bow, just right wherever you are. Just mean it as sincerely from your heart as you can. And I'm going to ask those that are here tonight to join us. So just pray this with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. I repent of it. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I call upon you to come into my life as my Savior. And I take my life as it is right now. And I put it into your hands to be Lord. Fill me with your spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me this much. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me tonight, or maybe you made a recommitment of your life to the Lord, I want you to call the number that's at your bottom of your screen tomorrow morning. Someone will answer that phone because we want to send to you some free material to give you a better understanding of what you've done tonight. And if you'd like, they'd be happy to pray with you. 
Tune in next Sunday night, Sunday morning at 9.30, the same way you're watching this morning, or better yet, come and join us here in Seekonk, 95 Sagamore Road. And if you come, come up and meet me. I'd love to greet you and let you know how glad we are you're here. It's so important that you take those steps. God bless you. Thank you for being part of us with tonight, those of you who joined us online. Let's stand. Oh, one more thing I've got to do. Yes. We're receiving an offering for Tony and for Lisa and for their ministry right now. You can either give, as you know, by text giving. And when you go on there, there's a drop-down menu for guest. And then also you can give by way of uh, by envelope in the back. There's a basket back there. Just mo- mo- cook or guest on there. Or you can go to our website, faceycenter.com, and the same instructions are there. So let's pray again. Father, we thank you again for the gift of Tony and Lisa that you've sent to us. We thank you for the words that have been sown into our hearts. And we ask you by the anointing of your spirit in our lives that you would cause those words to come back and grow in our lives and in this church and produce a harvest on these seeds, 30, 60, and even a hundredfold. And as we sow into this ministry, we pray, Father, that that you will continue to bless them with health and with strength and with wisdom as they travel all over the world in order to bring in order to bring uh, uh, comfort, assurance, and direction to the body of Christ. We ask you to take care of the affairs of their family and their life at home and their ministry so that they can travel freely and unhindered. And we ask you to continue to cause them to grow and prosper in the calling and life that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Let's stand and let's close with some worship. I got his name.